It is time to dig deep with Stacy and Stacy, a podcast for anyone hungry for God and willing to tackle today's relevant issues with authentic conversations inspired by Holy Scripture, prayer, and devotion to the sacraments. Hosted by two Texas gals who went to the same country Baptist church as little girls, had crazy lives, and found each other again decades later as Catholic convert wives and moms. Get ready, y'all. They're fixing to get real. I'm Stacy Tresantos. And I'm Stacy Farquharson. Happy Friday morning. Good this- morning. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I tell you what, I am on my second cup of coffee here and still trying to wake up. <laughs> Stacy and I have been getting very disciplined about getting up early each morning to record <laughs> these episodes, but it's getting cold in Texas too. And we're just kind of. Yeah, it's getting dead. harder to get up. <laughs> no, I sleep under a weighted blanket. I sleep under flannel sheets, a weighted blanket. And oh then my. I have a big down comforter with a flannel duvet cover on it. Oh that I double over. I double it over. <laughs> times two and put it on top of my weighted blanket and flannel sheet. And I have a quilt that my mom made me that goes on top of all that. So I like have my husband's like, you just, you just have a mattress for covers. (laughs) (laughs) And it's hard to get out of there in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds comfortable. Okay. Well, here we go. I tell you what, this is the 30th episode of the second season of the Stacy and Stacy podcast. And we're glad that you got up this morning and joined us. Be sure to like us, like and follow us on Facebook yes. and share our podcast with your friends. Um, this morning, we are going to start with a quick prayer, like we always do, a scripture reflection. And Stacy's talking to us from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. The Catechism of the Catholic <laughs> Church is like the book of answers for Catholics. <laughs> I mean, when I became Catholic, I was delighted. That Mm -hmm. any question I had, I could look it up in the catechism. So it's a very large book. You can access it online in many places from the Vatican. I like to use a version of it from the USCCB that it's like an online book you can flip through. The nice thing about the catechism is every every, um, teaching of the church that's articulated and organized in that book also has references. So you can reference it to the papal encyclical, the proceeding from a certain council, the quote from a saint, a scripture, lots of scripture. So it's all thoroughly referenced through the history of the church. So we call this tradition. Mm-hmm. The catechism is just a summary of scripture, the scriptural basis for our beliefs and the traditional ways we've come to understand those beliefs. So if you have any questions at all about being Catholic, you can go to the catechism. And I'm I'm at the very beginning of it right now, just talking about how we even know God exists. All right. Well, let's go ahead and say our prayer and get started because I want to hear what you have to say from the catechism today. All right. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, you are our rock and our fortress, our shield. We just thank you this morning for um, giving us strength, for being our deliverer. We thank you for your presence and being right here with us right now. You are worthy of all our praises and we just glorify your name. And we ask that you open the eyes of our understanding, that we would comprehend the scriptures and that you would give us fresh eyes to see you and to hear you, Lord. Mother Mary, pray for us. 
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay. Thank you. What am I going to do? I'm going to encourage you <laughs> to grab your, your Bible, get a cup of tea, whatever you prefer. So grab your Bible and spend some time with the Lord today. Yes. So today we are talking about, we are going to, um, we are in the reading. Uh, it's in Ephesians chapter four, the first six verses of chapter four. So I'm going to read this and then we're going to talk about it. Brothers and sisters, I, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to live in a manner worthy of the call you have received, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another through love, striving to preserve the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, one body and one Spirit, as you were also called to the one hope of your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Okay. So Paul starts out urging us, begging us. He is asking us to live a life worthy, um, live a life um, worthy of the call, to behave in a manner worthy of the call that we have received. So in the, in the new Catholic Bible and in the uh, new uh, uh, the NRSVCE translation, it says, therefore, as a matter of fact, I looked up various <laughs> translations and most right. of them say, therefore. So it, it says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to live in a manner worthy of the call. Or it'll say, I, a prisoner of the Lord, therefore, urge you. So there, therefore, and I know you all know this and I've heard it, but whenever we see therefore in the Bible, we need to stop and ask ourselves, what is it therefore? So I wanted to backtrack just a bit. In mm -hmm. Ephesians 1, it tells us who we are. We are chosen. We are destined for adoption to be children of God. In Ephesians 2, it tells us what God has done for us. Even when we were dead in our sins, God, who is rich in mercy, made a way for us to be alive together with Christ. And Ephesians 3 tells us how much God loves us. So now that we know who we are, what God has done for us, and how much God loves us, Ephesians 4 is saying, therefore, now let's talk about how to walk it out. So, and maybe go back and read the first three chapters uh, if you get an opportunity to do that. So I remember when I, um, when my little uh, kids were, were small and I was in church one Sunday morning and everybody stood up to sing. Well, I glanced over and my son didn't. He was still sitting there. And I gave him that motherly look of, excuse me, you better get on up. And he got right up. But then a few minutes later, he sat right back down. So again, I gave him another look that said, excuse me, what are you doing? Are you not feeling well? Now, mind you, no words are being spoken. We are communicating through our eyes. He shook his head as if to say, no, I'm fine. And then gave me a look that communicated, mom, look at that kid in front of us. Well, I, I hadn't even noticed. I hadn't even noticed the kid in front of us who was sitting down and everybody else was standing up and he was sitting down. But then what I noticed was that his mom didn't seem to be bothered by it. And I realized that that is what my son was pointing out. Mom, he is sitting and she doesn't care. Why do you care? 
So I looked back at my son with another look that said, I don't care what everybody else is doing or not doing. You are my son. Now stand up. <laughs> and as he stood up, I felt like I got a download from the Lord. And a these download. scriptures reminded me of this. I felt like the Lord was saying that morning or showing me that it didn't matter what everyone else was doing or what they weren't doing. I was his daughter and I had to obey him. I had to do what he asked me to do. It was like he tapped me on the shoulder to remind me, just like I expected my son to do what I asked of him, simply because he's my son. My father expects me to do the same. And just like my son was influenced by a little boy and his mother that he had never met, never spoke to, probably would never see again, probably would never speak to. We can influence people by our actions, by our, our obedience or by our disobedience. Because when I say you never know who's watching you, this is what I'm remembering. You never know who's watching you. And we want to be a good reflection of our father. We want to reflect our father. We are his children. Did your mother ever ask you, uh, if everyone else is jumping off the bridge, are you going to jump too? <laughs> I remember my grandmother saying that to me a lot. So <laughs> many times. <laughs> <laughs> well, God doesn't want us to jump off that bridge. He doesn't want us to follow in suit after the world. He wants us to follow him because that does send a message. So he goes on to tell us to be humble. Now, remember, pride comes before a fall. In James 4, it tells us that we are to humble ourselves before the Lord and he will exalt us. It also tells us in James 4 that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He tells us here to be gentle. In Peter, it first Peter, it says, always be ready to make your defense to Anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness. When we share our faith with, we, with each other, we're called to speak the truth, but we're called to speak the truth in love. Remembering that love covers a multitude of sins and that a kind word will turn away wrath. Being patient with one another through love, striving to preserve the unity of the spirit, through the bond of peace. It's a tall order to walk in love with the end goal of maintaining unity and peace. That's not always easy. It doesn't always come natural to us. It's easy to talk about, but this seems to be telling us not to just talk the talk, yeah, but right. to walk the walk. Mm -hmm. Again, walk it out. This thing called life we said that over and over, over. Our, first, our first up season. But we walk it out with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another through love, striving to preserve the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So the Bible tells us in Philippians, Paul is telling them to live their lives in a manner worthy of the gospel. So that when he comes to see them or even if he's not with them, he will know if they're walking it out in that manner that they are standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel. He says, if you live your lives in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, then I'll know that you guys are striving side by side with one mind in unity for the faith of the gospel. 
live in a manner that promotes unity and peace. Colossians 1.10 says that you may lead lives worthy of God, fully pleasing to him, so you can bear fruit in every good work. And then in Thessalonians, it tells us they are exhorted and encouraged to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Over and over in the Bible, it tells us walk worthy of the Lord. Walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. This is not something that we are to do just because we're going through a trial. This is not something we are to do just because we're having a good day. We are to live this way. It's supposed to be our norm, not abnormal. So my takeaway is how we walk it out matters. Mm -hmm. We are to do all to the glory of God. And I just wanted to pray as uh, Paul prays in Ephesians 3. Remember I said that Ephesians 3 tells us how much God loves us. So yeah. I wanted to say, uh, I want to pray the prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians. So I pray that all of us may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that we may all be filled with all the fullness of God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. That was like a volume calculation there in scripture. <laughs> That's great. And and that with the fourth dimension, the depth of our soul. Yeah. Um, no, thank you, Stacey. And that like, it's such simple advice, but as soon as you start thinking about what you're saying, it's not simple at all. It is, I mean, walk with the dignity of the Lord and be uniters, be people who don't divide other humans, you know, right. and that, that is so hard. I mean, that's what we do. We were even talking last week as grandmothers, every time we open our mouth around our children or grandchildren, we're calculating what's going to happen if I say this, what's going to yeah. happen if I say this, am I overstepping my bounds here? Am I not doing enough there? Yeah. And it takes wisdom. It takes wisdom to be able to think things through like that and not cause discord. Right. And this is great advice that you're giving from St. Paul to the whole church today, because I know a lot of people suffer because of the discord within just the Catholic church and the Catholic church is huge and we're a huge family. And of course there's going to be division. Unfortunately, I just picture mother Mary with her head in her hands, weeping saying, I wish my kids would get along and stop fighting. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times we would get together at Christmas or Thanksgiving and I was doing the same thing. <laughs> exactly. Just, Get along, Get along to each other. Yes. But I love this advice because what people tend to forget, especially in our day and age, and especially with modern science and technology, which is sort of my wheelhouse, I see this a lot. People want to have knowledge. They want to have stuff. They want to be right. They want to get on the internet and just, you know, correct everybody. And uh, you have entire groups of people opposing each other in ways that's never happened before because of the Internet. And, and a lot of times what I think people are missing is the advice you give us from Scripture today. Often what's more important than you being right or you even being heard is that you don't divide bodies. You know, little kids can divide people because they don't know better. But as adults, we're supposed to know better. 
right. and and we need to think about what we say and do so that we don't you know you can hurt someone with the truth yeah. just because you you just because you know you're right and somebody else is wrong that doesn't mean you need to hurt people well, anyway you know, off my soapbox one, one quick little thing because what you were saying reminded me you know as a as a Protestant, I felt, you know, I felt like that there were so many different denominations. There were so many divisions. Right. Mm -hmm. And yes. it tells us in the word that a house divided will not stand. God does right. not want us to to divide his church. He wants us to be unified. And so yes. I think it's just so important that we we speak when we when we talk to one another. We cover everything in love because yes. that will um, that bring love brings peace. It does. It does. And you and, and you always say give thanks, because if you're praising God and giving thanks, you can't be in despair or, or angry. And um, it all it all fits together. And especially yeah. with our Protestant brothers and sisters, we don't we don't need to be angry with them. We don't need to be trying to correct them. A lot of them, you know, they weren't alive back when Martin Luther was. They weren't mm -hmm. they weren't uh, trying to break away from the Catholic Church and just doing what they grew up knowing Absolutely. what to do. Yeah. And the Protestants have taught me a lot. Yep. And, and we are, and we have an episode where converts keeping our Baptist roots. Well, we like to also give you scripture from Stacy F and tradition from Stacy T. And where I go to for tradition is the book of answers for the Catholic church, the catechism. So even if you're not Catholic, if you want to know what, what we believe, you can look it up there and check it out for yourself, but it is thoroughly grounded in scripture and thoroughly grounded in tradition but even the tradition flows from scripture you in in the papal encyclicals they they reference scripture throughout in the summa theologia saint thomas aquinas references scripture throughout um, he also references aristotle and um, other church fathers so he sort of builds on the knowledge but getting back to basics today if we're going to do as stacy was teaching us through St. Paul in Ephesians, if we're going to be unifiers and be peacemakers and walk in confidence that the dignity of God, we have to know God. We have to be confident that he exists. We have to develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have to be led by the Holy Spirit. And the very beginning of the catechism talks about this and so does the beginning of the Summa Theologia, the big document that St. Thomas Aquinas wrote. Yesterday, just to give you a little review, we talked about the ways of knowing God through creation, you know, through science, <laughs> my thing, and through the human person, through our ability to love. The day before that, I talked about the very beginning is our capacity to know God, our desire to know God, even atheists, everybody, every single one of us, because we're children of God, are created to want to know God. Today, I want to talk about a third aspect of knowing God called knowledge of God according to the church. What does the church say about our ability to know God? And this little section is mostly based on an encyclical about evolution. We have an encyclical on evolution. It's called Humani Generis. It was promulgated. That's a fancy word for published and circulated in um, 1950 by Pope Pius XII, XII. 
uh, and the cyclical again is called Humani Generis, and it's it's about the beginning of the human race. He starts this encyclical off by saying that through human reason, we are capable with our own powers of reason and our light of intellect, we're capable of attaining to a true and certain knowledge that the one personal God who watches over and controls the world by his providence, that's the way of knowing God through nature, and of the natural law written in our hearts, that's the way of knowing God um, as humans uh, through our love, we're capable of knowing God exists with just that. In other words, if you have never been to church, if you had never read the Bible, if you just woke up every morning and you're looking out at the world and you're like, wow, who created all of this? And if you're loving your family and you're saying, where does, where do these, where do these feelings of love, this truth of love, where does that come from? And hope and faith, where does that come from? You're already seeking God. That is the very beginning and everyone's made to do it. And that's why in all of human history, we see that human societies have indeed sought God. And, and of course, when, when Christ came, there was a revelation of God about who God is, the Holy Trinity. So now we know and, and we need to, to learn about that. But you can know those ways. And the church acknowledges that. For the truths then that concern the relations, I'm reading from Humani Generis at the beginning, for the truths that concern the relations between God and man wholly transcend the visible order of things. And if they are translated into human action and influence it, they call for, this is usually the, the hurdle for people with faith, they call for self-surrender and, Stacy, here's a big word for you, mm -hmm. abnegation. <laughs> Okay, I'll practice that one. <laughs> <laughs> abnegation, I had to look it up too. Abnegation means um, giving up, self-denial, um, the act of renouncing or rejecting something. So rejecting sin. Okay. Abnegation is to, re to reject sin. Self-surrender is to um, a grant assent to the truths of faith in your own life. So this is the hard part. Like if you, if you wake it up and walking outside your tent every morning and you're like looking at the stars and you're thinking about your love and your heart, you're like, there must be a God. The church is like, okay, come on over here and sit down. Let me tell you the rest of the story. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of the story is that when Jesus Christ came over 2000 years ago, he revealed things to us. That's why we read the gospel every day in the Catholic church, because Christ revealed things to us that are, he fulfilled the old Testament. He fulfilled so many prophecies from the old Testament. That's why in the church, we have an old Testament reading a praise, a Psalm. And then we have a new Testament reading and we have um, the gospel reading on, on Sundays. On other days, we, we have a reading a responsorial Psalm and always a gospel. So that's how we know what Christ was revealing to us about God. You can learn about the Holy Trinity, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. You can learn about the incarnation of Christ. You can learn about his two natures, human and divine. You can learn about how we're created in the image and likeness of God and that we do have spiritual powers that go beyond the material in our brain. We do have the ability to reason abstractly away from any sensible things in this world. We have um, innovation. We are co-creators with God. We have this intellect. We can figure things out. You see that we are set apart from every other species of animal on this planet. And we have free will. 
because we're created in the image and likeness of God. And so that is the rest of the story about who you are. Christ came to reveal to us not just who God is, but who we are as well. And so what you do when you become Catholic is you grant assent to the truths of faith. You have you accept them on faith. Faith is the substance of things unseen, Hebrews 11.1. 1. So you accept these things, but they make sense. Okay, so the Holy Trinity, we never would have figured out by ourselves. Christ revealed it to us, but it makes sense and it tells us more about who we are. So Pope Pius Twelfth is saying in this 1950 encyclical, which oddly is about evolution, because with the rise of our understanding of evolution, scientists were concluding we're nothing but our atoms and molecules, that there is no soul, there is no God, there are no angels, none of that spiritual stuff because science can't study it. So they just wanted to deny it. And Pope um, Pius Twelfth is clarifying this, saying, no, we are made to know God, all the stuff. And so the church is just affirming the first two lessons from this week. The church is just affirming that, yes, we know that we are made to know God. And then in this other this quote from the encyclical, I'm in section 37 of the catechism, if you ever want to look that up, just the very first pages. Um it says the human mind in its turn is hampered in the attaining of such truths, not only by the impact of the senses and the imaginations. Think about all the times you imagine things and it affects how you act because your imagination is running wild with you, but also by the disordered appetites, which are the consequences of original sin. So we are subject to our bodies. We have appetites. We have longings for things. We have addictions. We have um, times when we we don't practice virtue and we're we succumb to vices. We become vicious. We we overeat. We um, oversleep. Oops, that was me. <laughs> and we and we we do things that we're slaves to our bodies sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's what it means. And so the whole human life is trying to, to become masters of ourselves, um, to oh. submit to the will of God, to control our appetites, to um, order our, our, our senses and our imagination and everything we think towards God. So it's always a striving, a casting, trying to do that. But the church acknowledges all that. So and that that's how I look at it. If you're like, oh, I think God exists. The church is like, yes, come over here, sit down. Let's talk about that, because there's a whole lot of teaching there that that this is based on. Um, mm -hmm. So to the next we'll go into. I love this stuff. I love it. I love it because this is faith and science right here. It's at the very beginning of the catechism. Mm -hmm. um, next, we'll talk about how do we speak of God? So we can't fully understand God. How do we even talk about him? Well you might learn that you didn't know you could think about God so much. There's so much to learn just in, in trying to articulate what we mean by God. It's fascinating. It's very intellectual. Um, it's very logical. And you'll find if you dig into this stuff, you'll find that during the day when you're just walking around doing your things, you are more aware of God then because you're thinking about that stuff. I love that. Uh, it it says in, in the scripture uh, that we just read this morning that the very last line says, God is over all, through all, and in all. You know, it makes me think of he's in He's in nature. He's everywhere. Yeah. He's wooing us to him constantly through his creation. 
Um, he's just constantly wooing us to him. And he's giving us, like you said, that free will to choose him, you know, that mm-hmm. to choose this day whom we will serve. And it is that daily choice that we make. And yeah. and it means so much more to him when we when we choose him, because otherwise, you know, we we will become slaves to sin. Yes. But when we choose him over and over, when we deny ourselves yes. and choose to serve him and choose to follow him, it means it means so much to him. That is the one thing that we can do. I mean, he has he has everything. He doesn't he doesn't need anything. But don't you love it when your kids choose you? <laughs> Our yes to God. Our yes to God. Yes. Yes. I hope that you find this helps you walk in the light of faith during the day and be peacemakers and and love all the people God puts in your path and love God most of all. I'm Stacy Trusenkos. And I'm Stacy Farquharson. Until next time. If you are interested in bringing Stacy and Stacy to your parish or study group for a retreat or a talk, they would love to come liven things up and keep it real. Please see stacyandstacy.site for more information. <laughs>